0: this is the city of god podcast where christ meets culture welcome to the city of god podcast where we are weekly looking at today's big cultural issues all through the lens of god's infallible word i'm rob pacienza and as always i'm joined by my co-host john rabe Rob, it is great to be with you. I don't even know how this is possible, but somehow this
1: podcast keeps getting better every week, and and somehow that's even happening with, with me being here, but it's still, nevertheless, getting better and better every week. I am super excited
0: about today's program. A- absolutely. Today, we <laughs> have the privilege to interview, in my opinion, one of the great theologians of the 21st century, one of the great thought leaders in this cultural moment. Uh, we'll be joined by Dr. Vodi Bacham Jr.,
1: yeah, Vodi Bakum. I'm sure most of our audience is familiar with him by now. But he's a pather, pastor, and a pather perhaps, but a pastor, <laughs> an author, an educator. He's uh, this guy. He's the dean of theology at African Christian University in Zambia and Africa. And on this podcast, we're gonna talk to him from Africa. But uh, he's here. It seems like in the United States because we need him so much. Speaking on things like I don't know every two months or something. I'd I'd, I'd be amazed to see this guy's frequent flyer mileage at this point. Yeah. But he he is a uh, a workhorse who just goes after
0: the issues that we're going to talk about today and is, is a truly unique voice out there. Absolutely. I heard Vode for the first time about 20 years ago as I was a student at Sanford University. And I never forget the passion of mm-hmm. seeing this man of God just boldly proclaim the word of God and to proclaim his truth and how it affects every area of life. And it was actually during COVID I reached out to him found his website, and we uh, went back and forth. We corresponded, and to make a long story short, we've made it an annual tradition to bring Vodi Bachum to Coral Ridge uh, in Fort Lauderdale every year, and our people have just been incredibly blessed uh, by uh, his presence here, but also the substance yes. of what he teaches.
1: Your congregation is excited when that happens, and people in the community come on that Sunday because Absolutely. they want to hear vody Bachum as well. Uh, and the reason we wanted to Talk to him, particularly today, uh, and and in the the current cultural context, is he is the author of the book Fault Lines: Social Justice, the Social Justice Movement, and Evangelicals Looming Catastrophe. My own copy of it is such so good. I have I have post-it notes throughout it. I've got underlines. This is a, a book that I've relied on quite a bit. But from that, he has developed a teaching series, a video teaching series that's now available at SalemNow.com yep. on Fault Lines, where he really deals with these issues, the social justice movement, critical theory, critical race theory, and uh, gender ideology that are seeping not only into our schools and in our institutions, but into our evangelical churches as well. Absolutely.
0: So that's Fault Lines, the book, as you said, that came out several years ago, and now this new teaching series that we're really excited about and really want to get behind as a ministry that's, uh, as you said, the Fault Lines teaching series, which is available at salemnow.com. I believe it is videos and... Study guides and just an incredible resource for uh, homeschool groups, Christian schools, Sunday school classes, small groups, or just uh, you know an individual Christian that just wants to do a, a deeper dive on what is truly the answer. Uh, in our cultural moment and how are all of these cultural lies incompatible with the biblical worldview?
1: The videos themselves are are relatively short. Most of them are in the seven to 10 minute range, some a little shorter, some a little longer. It's got a study guide that goes with it. And so it's just an ideal resource for this. And one of the things that makes him uniquely qualified to deal with these issues is he is as you pointed out a theologian he's a pastor who has cared for the flock yeah. and as a young man he was pulled into these Ideologies. He has said that Malcolm X was his great hero and he saw everything as the culture had taught him to through the lens of race. But biblical truth broke through and now he sees it for the evil that it is. So we're
0: going to talk in this interview everything from the difference between social justice and biblical justice, wokeism and its roots, finding its roots in uh, cultural Marxism, critical theory, and also uh, a topic that we just discussed recently, the Christian left. How have these progressive ideologies? ideologies crept into the church and really influencing uh, Christians all throughout the Western civilization. So without further ado, John, uh, here's our interview with Dr. Vodi Bachham. Vodi, so good to see you, and thanks for being on the City of God podcast today.
2: Yeah, man, it's my pleasure.
0: So let's jump right in. You've got an exciting new project called uh, Fault Lines. Uh, This is a new teaching series. Explain to our audience a little bit about this teaching series and why you're so excited about it.
2: Yeah, it's a follow-up from the book, and we're really excited for people to get a hold of it and really be able to continue exploring these ideas um, and perhaps explore them with others. Some may wanna explore them with like-minded folks who uh, have been reading the book and and, and wanna dig deeper. Some may wanna explore this with people who perhaps uh, don't necessarily see things the same way um, so that it can help them maybe communicate more clearly what it is that they uh, understand the, the main problems to be and the main solutions. So we're really excited about people being able to use this in a variety of different ways. We're going to get into the content of
1: this teaching series and of the book, and 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 something that you've spent a lot of time addressing and speaking on over the past few years, which really is uh, this issue of things like critical race theory infecting the evangelical church. Uh, But before we get into the substance of those issues, what was it that drew you to this? What was it that made you decide to write this book and then produce this teaching series uh, dealing with critical race theory and these other social justice issues that are dividing the church?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. This book was a long time coming. Uh, This book was something that I have been thinking about for really over a decade and just couldn't find the right partner and just couldn't find the right time and then after you know 2020 and the world turned upside down um, i was under contract for another book and came to that publisher and said listen i think you know there's another book that needs to happen before that one and um i think the time is now and uh, they said yeah we agree the time is now but we don't think we're the ones to publish it. Um, and so, you know, we ended up finding Salem, and we're very pleased that they were um, willing to even publish fault lines. And, uh, you know, I part of what really motivated me was, as well, was this narrative, you know, this narrative of America as a, a uniquely racist country, um, as this you know, inherently and and irreparably uh, hateful, racist place. And, you know, the police as, you know, these terrible racist people going around hunting black men and whatnot and living outside of the country and living in a place with real, you know, police corruption, living in a place where, you know, people police beat up thieves on the street and stop you on the side of the road and have you pay your fine in cash um you know hearing people here say things like that it was just a bridge too far and so i i felt compelled to do it i'm so glad you answered the call of god because
0: it has been so critical so critically needed in this cultural moment and we'll make sure that we promote Uh, the book Fault Lines, the Fault Lines teaching series on all of our social media platforms, on our website, and eventually, hopefully, on our television program as well for all those that are listening that uh, either haven't read the book Fault Lines or want to do a deeper dive with the uh, teaching series. Vodi, people hear things like social justice debate, and the average Christian might say, that sounds like a good thing, social justice. Uh, we're Christians, don't we want justice? Um, God talks about justice in His world, uh, but a- obviously, you've written extensively on this and taught on this at length. Uh, why is it so important in the 21st century that we understand the difference between social justice and true biblical justice?
2: I think it's critically important, and I think it's important for us to understand that 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 words have meanings. And, you know, th- those meanings have consequences. And when we talk about social justice, for example, social justice is redistributive justice. Social justice is not about equality, it's about equity. It's about assuring equal outcomes and assuring uh, equitable distribution of resources and opportunities, um, you know, et cetera. And, at the end of the day, what it's about is taking from some in order to give to others because of the assumption that all inequity is a result of, um, you know, of sin. It's a result of oppression. Um, So, there are some underlying assumptions behind social justice that uh, make it incompatible with biblical justice. Biblical justice is the the righteous application, the righteous and equal application of the law of God. Um, it, it is not about redistribution. Yeah,
0: I remember when you uh, preached at Coral Ridge two years ago, you said We're, Christians should be all about justice, but it's Thy Kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, and yeah, we must be, Amen. To not that. just should we must be, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely,
1: Vodi. We, uh, Rob, and I talked on a recent podcast here about the way that uh, progressive ideology is is filtering into the evangelical church, and of course, you've been on the front lines of of dealing with this issue, and that draws no small amount of controversy to you as well. But uh, as we look at sort of the landscape of the the, the evangelical world, uh, what do you see happening? It, it seems to me like there are the there are some who are well-meaning and are simply ignorant about the the reality of these issues. They don't understand the Marxist assumptions and the, the, the false ideology involved. And then perhaps, not to be uncharitable, but perhaps there are others who do know and are sort of purposely smuggling something in. Uh, but what do you find to be the lay of the land when you uh, deal with this issue? And you, of course, are... Uh, based in Africa right now in Zambia, but you visit America frequently and deal with these. What do, what do you find in the American landscape as you as you interact with church
2: leaders on these topics? I think you've hit the nail right on the head. I think there are those people who are uh, ignorant. They they aren't aware of you know the the play that's being run, and because of that, they some of them see those of us who are standing up and speaking out as being harsh and unkind uh and at at nitpicking Um, so and then there are those individuals who are they're marxists Um, they hold to marxist ideology they hold to marxist liberation theology and they are you know they know exactly what's going on and this is exactly the play that they want to see run So, you know, and I think between there, you know, you sort of run the gamut. You have people um, at all points in between. But those are the two main spheres. Those are the two main responses that I've seen.
0: Votius, this conversation just is a great reminder that there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, when we talk yeah. about critical race theory and progressive woke ideology, you often make the connection, as you, as you have several times, even in this podcast, to uh, Marxism. How are those ideas connected together, and, and how do the ideologies that we're seeing now inside and outside of the church directly tied and find their grounding in Marxism.
2: Yeah, it's, it's neo-Marxism. It's Marxism out of the realm of economics and into the realm of broader culture. Um, That's why sometimes referred to as cultural Marxism. It's the idea of, you know, the bourgeois and the proletariat, but not in terms of the means of production. It's the idea of you know, those who are in power who are oppressors, and those who are outside of the power who are the oppressed. And this this power, you know, Antonio Gramsci coined this term, you know, hegemony to talk about this, this power. Uh, this power is an ideological power. It's a worldview, if you will, that according to neo-Marxists exists solely for the purpose of establishing hierarchy and allowing those in power to stay in power and to oppress those who are not in power. And so, you know, when you put on that lens, you view everything, you, you, you critique, you criticize, hence the, hence the term critical theory, right? Um, and, and the theory is the, the the praxis, if you will. So you, you critique, you criticize everything from this perspective. In fact, they talk about it in terms of um, coming to a critical consciousness, right? Uh, Another way to a colloquial way of talking about coming to critical consciousness is woke, right? When you you come to critical consciousness, you're woke. When you're woke, you see the game, you see the oppressor and you see the oppressed and you view um, everything as power dynamics. And anytime you see any kind of inequality or inequity the assumption the a priori assumption right is that it exists because of this hegemonic power play um so th- that's how it's that's how it's related to marxism
0: yeah and it's interesting and i think it's it's so important because we have certainly heard um pastors pastors that have been held in very high regard and esteem uh, in all of our lives. Uh, but over the last three years, we've heard pastors say things like, uh, there's things that we can uh, learn and uh, for the benefit of the church from uh, Black Lives Matters, or, uh, you know, you have books and sermon series called yeah. Woke Church or Critical Theory. Is it fair to say that there is nothing compatible with these woke ideologies with a biblical worldview, that they are anti-gospel and, and completely incompatible with what we would hold to the orthodox
2: christian faith at the end of the day uh, yes and no okay uh, at the end of the day in its purest form you, it is antithetical to biblical christianity but but here's the the problem they you know no no whole lie is going to skate right you have to have uh, the, the meat of a lie wrapped in the skin of the truth. Mm. So for example, when we talk about, um, oppression, uh, when we talk about, you know, hegemonic power, we know there's a prince of the, uh, of the power of the air, right? Um, we know that, that evil is real. We know that Satan is real. Um, and we know that there is real evil and real oppression in the world. Um, we want justice We don't want racism, so we Mm -hmm. want to be against racism. So they use terms like anti-racism, which doesn't mean against racism, right? So on the one hand, um, you're you're absolutely right. These things are diametrically opposed to biblical Christianity. But one of the things that I've, um, you know, started catching myself on is being more careful when I talk about these things being completely incompatible because then people say, well, wait a minute, right? The Bible does talk about oppression. The Bible does talk about, you know, equality. The Bible does talk about, so yeah, that's it, in that's that super sense, helpful. yeah, in that yep. sense, it does use words and ideas. It steals them, steals right? Them. Yep. It steals these words and ideas that are our words and ideas, but it pours different meanings into them. And so I, I you know, and that may seem like a, a super a, helpful, you know really fine point yeah but i think it's it's important we all want justice it's how we're pursuing it and
0: that—that's what the church needs to wake up to, and how we—the de- truth of God's word, not the systemic racism that is being peddled, right? By how we—how
1: we pursue it, and how we define it, yeah, and and having a biblical definition for it, and that's—that's and uh, that's the key. Yeah, yeah, I like the phrase that you've used a couple of times here, uh, where Evody, you talk about the play that's being run, because uh, that's that's one of the things that it seems to be going on here. There's a system set up in which, uh, you know. As you've just pointed out, we as Christians are to abhor racism, and we as Christians should recognize that, that chattel slavery was an evil, and, and we can go on down the line. But what's happening now is that any opposition to critical race theory or critical theory or social justice uh, is cast as this idea that, well, you just don't—you don't, uh, you, you don't want to teach about slavery. You don't want to teach about racism. You want to hide from these issues— uh, and in fact, you can't really speak to these issues if you are of a certain uh, skin color. Then you are not allowed to speak into these I- issues and you need to sort of be silent. And And so it, it does feel like there's a, a little bit of a heads you lose, tails we win sort of situation going on here.
2: Yeah, there really is. And, you know, we, we got to stop letting people get away with that. Mm. Um, you know, I'm I'm 54 years old. I learned about slavery in school. Um, Everybody learned about slavery in school. Uh, You know, critical race theory comes out of critical legal, you know, scholarship and is really born in the late 80s, really not until 1989. I refuse to believe that there was no accurate teaching on slavery and racism before 1989. That is absolutely ridiculous. And what's more ridiculous is that the current teaching rooted in critical race theory is actually less accurate, Mm. not more accurate. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think this really comes down to uh, the
0: sufficiency of Scripture. Mm. We really don't believe inside the church that the gospel is the power. That the gospel does have the power. Paul himself reveals in Ephesians the power that uh, that gets rid of the dividing line between Jew and Gentile. And uh, yeah, I, the, when I talk to pastors that are dabbling in these theories, um, you just want to wake them up and say, "Do you not? Re- are you not reminded of Paul's challenge to the right. church in Galatia? Right. Uh, you're, you're you're preaching another gospel. This does have the power to change people, to end racism, to
2: change." cultures and nations, uh, Vody in the other other part of that. Here's the other part of that. Two things, one historical and one contemporary from a historical perspective, you, you know, being honest about slavery means being honest about slavery and, you know, people, Westerners, Europeans, Americans, whomever didn't come into, you know, the, the inner parts of Africa capturing slaves. They went to the coast where, you know, my my fellow African brethren had already enslaved my ancestors and then took them to the coast to sell them, right? So we, 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 we got to be honest about that. Slavery is not uniquely American. The other thing we have to be honest about is there are somewhere between 25 and 40 million slaves in the world today. Today. Wow. And it boggles my mind that... People are spending so much energy uh, trying to deal with slavery from, you know, 150, 200 years ago and are completely ignorant and gleefully ignorant about slavery that's going on right now today in North Africa and parts of Asia right now today.
0: Vodi, in your new teaching series, Fault Lines, in I believe it was video six, you talk about anti-racism being its own religious movement. Unpack that for us.
2: Yeah, you know, the anti-racist movement is really a gospel with no gospel, right? Mm. Um, it 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 is a call to perpetual penance, not repentance. It, it is a call to do the work. So, you know, anti-racism looks at racism from a Marxist perspective. And it says that racism is systemic, that racism is, you know, these these um, these hegemonic powers, really, these things in society, whenever you see inequity, you see racism. And so our job is to get at the root of these inequities and eliminate these inequities and to continue to do that forever because inequities are never going to go away. And the minute you fail, who continue to do the work, and that's what they use. They do the work of anti-racism. Um, then you fall right back into being a racist. Um, you know, Ibram X. Kendi, the author of, you know, the 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 runaway bestseller "How to Be an Anti-Racist," he makes it very clear that the opposite of racism is not not racism, right? Um, because because not being a racist means that you're dealing with your heart and you're not dealing with systems. Um, The opposite of racism is anti-racism, anti-racism is about doing this work, Uh, this work that is perpetual penance, this work that never brings salvation, this work that will never be complete. Um, And, and, you know, they have their own cosmology, you know, the way the world came to be as it is. They have their own saints, (laughs) say their names, you know, they have their own liturgies. Um, You know, it, it it is very religious in nature. But there's no salvation there. Wow.
1: So, Vodi, as you look across the the current landscape now, uh, you know, and and it gets a little bit pointed when we do this, but I, I think it's important. I am a Southern Baptist elder myself, of course. Rob is a, a pastor elder in the the PCA denomination. Uh, but in this uh, teaching series, in the introduction to the teaching series, you include some clips from very prominent figures talking about these issues and really parroting the ideas of critical race theory and this sort of original sin of whiteness and so forth, uh, including people like Andy Stanley and Matt Chandler and uh, Jarvis Williams, a very prominent uh, professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. So I'll ask you about my denomination first, because uh, we are the largest uh, Protestant group in America. Are you concerned about the future of the Southern Baptist Convention when you see so many prominent voices standing up to parrot these
2: ideas? Uh, yes, uh, absolutely, I, I am, and I've made no, you know, secret of that. Uh, I, I think it's not just the Southern Baptist Convention; is you know, beyond that. Sure. But you know, when the Southern Baptist Convention sneezes. Other denominations catch a cold. And so, yeah, this is this is a huge issue. Um, but the interesting thing about the SBC, and, you know, you sort of put that caveat there at the end, you know, the largest, um, you know, Christian group, because the SBC at the end of the day is not a denomination. Right. It's a convention of confessing free churches. And that's been the saving grace. Mm. There's nobody at the top who is dictating what, you know, run-of-the-mill Southern Baptist. You know, have to believe and have to do.
1: Which is what um, saved the constantly. seminaries in the '80s. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and because of that, you know that that happened then, and because of that, uh, there's hope that you know things can happen now. Because your your run-of-the-mill SBC pastors and members, uh, they, they they're not holding to these ideologies. No, definitely not
0: voting, nothing happens overnight. In the early early parts of the 20th century, the church was dealing with liberalism, infiltrating the church. 21st century we're now dealing with progressive ideology, infiltrating the church, uh, giving rise to what many have called the Christian left or even the evangelical left. Um, how did we get here? What, if this doesn't happen overnight, how in the world do we allow the rise of the Christian left and the infiltration of progressive ideology inside
2: the church? Yeah, boy, I think there's a number of things. And and one of them uh, is another thing that I've been talking about for a long time. When the Marxists take that, you know, long march through the institutions, right, And when the Frankfurt School, um, you know, these leaders come here in the 30s and 40s and then in the 50s and 60s become entrenched in key areas of academia and politics, um, you know, there was a very um, intentional um, long-term plan to, you know, infiltrate these institutions with these ideas. And that happened. It absolutely happened. And schools of law and journalism, and most importantly, schools of education became the targets. And so, you know, I've often said, when when you get a degree in education, you get a minor in Neo-Marxism, right? right. And then you look at the, the, the massive number of Christians who continue to this day to send their children to the government school for their education. And we've got a generation, we've got several generations that have been steeped in this ideology. And they're now not only in the pews, but they're also in the pulpits. Um, you know, the a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And that's what we're seeing.
1: Mm. In this teaching series and in your book, Fault Lines, uh, of course, uh, r- critical theory and critical race theory play a major part in that, uh, but it is about the, uh, the social justice movement, which that's a, a prominent part of the social justice movement, but is, of course, not the only part of the social justice movement. Another real fault line, a real dividing line we see developing is, is particularly over sex and gender issues. Uh, uh, what do you see happening there, and, and how is it that the progressive ideology has has co-opted so many evangelicals
2: on those issues? It's the same play. Mm-hmm. See, when you understand that the, the neo-Marxist idea is that there is no such thing as absolute truth, whatever our cultural norms, there are cultural norms because of the cultural hegemony the cultural hegemony in the West and particularly in America, white, male, heterosexual, cisgender, native, native born, able-bodied. You come on down and you get to Christian. Christianity is the ideology. It's the, it, it, the religion of Christianity is the catalyst for America's oppressive hegemony, according to the cultural Marxist. And so Christianity's ideas about Biblical manhood, womanhood, human sexuality uh, are not inherently true. According to the neo-Marxists, they are just a part of this oppressive, uh, oppressive hegemonic regime that is designed to oppress minorities. That's why they use the term sexual minorities, right? And so all they're doing now is applying the same ideology but just applying it more broadly. So it's the same play. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's absolutely the same play. It's just being run on a different field.
0: Hmm. Vodi, one more question for you. We have a lot of young families listening and watching this podcast and they are looking outside and wondering how in the world am I gonna raise my children in the midst of this great cultural chaos that we're experiencing? What would your words of wisdom be uh, to our young parents and families as they raise raise their
2: children today? Yeah. Number one, if at all possible, get them out of government schools. That that's number one, and it's funny because you know, 15 years ago when I said that, I would often duck, you know, um, but now people are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. we see, you. <laughs> yeah, you got a standing um, ovation so, now, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's number one. And then secondly, it's not just getting them away from one thing, but the goal is for us to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We have to disciple our children. We have to catechize our children. We have to teach them doctrine and theology. We have to inculcate them in Christian ethics. We have to make them aware of what's going on out there, and we have to equip them to be able to stand against it. That's a good word, man. Amen.
0: Well, I am so grateful that you wrote the book, Fault Lines. I know that has blessed the church incredibly, and so grateful for this new project, the Fault Lines Teaching Series. As we said, we'll, uh, we will broadcast that out to uh, the masses to make sure people are aware of Fault Lines, the book, and Fault Lines Teaching Series. Can't wait to have you back in Fort Lauderdale, brother. Uh, so thankful for you and for your
2: ministry i wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. God bless you. Thank
0: you, Vody. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Vody Bauckham. Once again, please purchase the book Fault Lines. If you haven't done so already, go to SalemNow.com to download and purchase the teaching series, the video curriculum, the study guides, two incredible resources, important resources for the church in the 21st century. And I want to thank you uh, once again for listening to the City of God podcast made in partnership with the Institute for Faith and Culture. This is a weekly podcast, so you can listen to this podcast and all previous podcasts at cityofgodpodcast.com. You can also find us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any Anywhere you listen to podcasts, make sure you check out the video version of this podcast on our YouTube page. And as always, if you were blessed by this podcast today and this important conversation with Bodie Bachum, please send it to a friend, a family member, as together we pursue what it means to be the city of God and explore today's cultural issues through the lens of God's infallible word. Once again, thank you so much for listening and may God richly bless you.